Ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems, weavers of all races and subclasses, welcome to This Dungeon is Occupied. My name is Illidine, and together with Thorn and Bone Daddy as your hosts, we wish to help you as players and game masters, from the aspiring to the veteran, with questions, ideas, and interviews for your next tabletop role-playing game experience. Today's episode, we're talking about OP versus Balanced. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about homebrew, talk a little bit about the player's handbook and the dungeon master's guide, uh, and kind of just talk about how we uh, balance our stuff in our campaigns and how we'll give a, we'll probably give a few insights. Like I know Bone Daddy has a great example of how he did not balance the campaign in the beginning and had to retroactively fix that. Uh, so, hey, Bone Daddy, do you want to take over the uh, the laser gun? <laughs> Sure. Oh, yeah, the, the laser gun. I mean, there was a lot of instances where I didn't balance the. So the um, I ran a game where I, I, I um, like. <laughs> a lot of my players like to get really high level, high level stuff at the beginning. I'm a nice guy. I like to think, um, and I, I'm, I'm honestly, I'll be like, sure, let me. I actively come up with ways to make things simpler for my players, even though the whole point of it is so that way it's complicated, but whatever. Um, the, uh, one of the best, one of the best examples was when I, um, when I created a, a world that was futuristic and um, instead of forcing everybody to have to like, you know, shop or like look for material and stuff, I created um, virtual Amazon where I would, um, they had a watch that would let them uh, teleport places and like they could order items, they could buy stuff on there. Um, and they, they're actually, they actually had, didn't have any bow, bow and arrows anymore. It was like magical guns that counted as a magical weapon. Instantly regretted all my life decisions. Um, one of my players decided to, um, oh yeah, because it could become a vehicle too. So the, the thing you could press the buttons and a, a little magical bubble will appear around you that would act as a vehicle. You could drive it around places and get places quicker. Um, my player was like, that's cool. I'm going to attach it to the, um, to the villain guy and create the bubble, create a bubble around him and have drive him off the cliff. And I was like, cool. Nice. <laughs> hey, he's just coming up with solutions. That's all. Yeah. I'm just, I'm like, I just, I do all the hard work for my players. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> That was creative as shit. Yeah, and he was like, I'm just going to attach the vehicle to him. And because I think I had a mechanic where it would blow up after a certain point, like if it was like in the wrong hands too. And um, I just remember being like, really? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, yeah. So so how did you go about balancing some of those? In, uh, um, yeah, I, um, so the, so in that world, um, the, the watches were um were connected to the last remnants of magic in the world how i balanced it was um i had magic return in its full force and i short-circuited all the watches it was the only way that works it was a simple solution to a problem yeah it was yeah. A, solution to a problem and like i it forced my players to to get off the um to actually start like searching for it. so what they ended up having to do was they ended up having to find components for the uh the watch to turn it on for a short amount of time to use so mm -hmm. um they could still use the watches except they had to like work for the materials they needed for the watches 
We had okay. to like Frankenstein them together. That's kind of like what I did uh, with our campaign. Uh, it's just instead of like watch uh, ingredients, we, uh, we you guys had to like look for the actual key components for spells and things in the higher levels. Because I know something that a lot of story weavers that I've played with uh, do is they kind of just forget about spell components and you know don't worry about paying for whatever uh, because we just assume that you always pick it up. But because my campaign has mostly story weavers in it, uh, I made it harder and they had to remember to either go to a shop, an apothecary or something and pick up ingredients or they could do a a survival check to find ingredients. Um, And then, of course, in the higher levels, like a resurrection spell, you needed to pay out that diamond cash uh, in order to be able to cast that spell later on. and that's that's something to think about as far as when you're um, just starting out as a story weaver. I know I did that uh, where I was like, yeah, don't worry about anything. Everything is fine. Uh, everything's, you know, everything's great. You want to you want to do that spell? Perfect. You could do that spell. I I'm sure you have the stuff in your inventory uh, and resurrection spells for free are they they get out, away from you very quickly. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean it really does, and I I can actually count in, on one hand how many campaigns I played in that actually made you buy the components. Right, and that's right. a good way to limit what a player, especially higher level players, can do because you can roll to see how hard it is to find that diamond. They can't be that readily available, so it really makes them work for the big spells, which is a good thing. Yeah. Because OP versus balance, you OP is great. Like everybody loves to play them at first. It's total to be fun. Honest, yeah. It, it is a ton of fun. And there could be campaigns where you just go OP and just kill everything. And it's great and it's fun, but it gets boring. It gets boring. And even though you don't think it will, it will get boring and it'll get tedious, especially for the dungeon master. Or the story weaver, it gets tedious when you just throw stuff at them and they just wipe it up like it's nothing. Yeah. And so the, oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say it boils down to because we're playing a game of fantasy, and one of the biggest mistakes that story weaver, like newer story weavers, do is that they want, since we're in the realm of fantasy, they want to, they don't want like the typical problems of the real world to like be reflected in that fantasy world like they want solutions to like various issues and i mean that that's hey that's that's cool like it's understandable in the world of magic like why do some why would some things exist you know but um i don't know it it's it makes your game more complex when you um, make it more complicated to be able to like grasp these like to have have these powerful items at your disposal or like you have to work for something in the game so yeah for sure and and um brennan uh brennan lee mulligan uh in his podcast he talked about like straight up there's just no magic shops um he doesn't believe that you should be able to buy a magic item so even anything in the dmg you just can't go to a store and just hey i, I want um I, I want this this uh, flaming sword uh, plus one magic weapon. It's it's not there. You have to go on a quest, go find a flaming sword, or at the very least, he says, you know, find a blacksmith that can do magic 
and then you have to work to find the materials and blah blah and do some kind of quest to get said item um and that's his way of one making sense of his world uh and then also just balancing things out and there's plenty i mean bone daddy was talking about the laser gun that's in the handbook like that's just it's there it, it exists in the world of D. and there's all kinds of different um i mean look at the deck of many things almost everyone says don't use the deck of many things i think i've used it in every one but one campaign and i love it, it yeah it's a t- it's a lot of fun if you can do it correctly and there's okay so technically there's not a correct way of doing it but if you can balance your own campaign to your table's liking the deck of many things or um the uh orb of oblivion all of those things can be really fun um i actually and, think and, the deck of many things is perfectly balanced because you have to roll it's so chaotic you roll right and i mean come on look at the first time rick used it he got bamped <laughs> out of there and got stuck in like a dimension staring at a wall for five months yeah mm-hmm. I mean, come on, that's balance. That is balance. And the the magic items when they're presented, like especially like the laser gun, um, in the in the player's ha- in the player's handbook. No, TV, Dungeon Master's Guide. Player's handbook, Dungeon Master's Guide. I think it's in the player's handbook. I'm almost positive it's in the player's handbook. Could be wrong. Feel free to correct me at any moment. <laughs> um, but where where it's listed, it actually does. Li- oh nope, it's in the Dungeon Master's Guide. It lists um, it lists a like reasons like so items like that the the dungeon master's guide will list lore and reasoning behind the item existing in the world which is something that i feel like newer players could use to um to essentially make sense of why there's a laser gun in your world and why you can't just give it to your first level players because in the in the dungeon master's guide it suggests um otherworldly beings like people time travelers or people from space like dropping it or leaving remnants behind of an ancient civilization. And so that's a cool way to introduce a laser gun and not give it to the subtle players. <laughs> uh, I had uh, I had uh, Atlantean um, magic in my uh, arc one of the campaign. Uh, one of our players, uh, Forrest, who was uh, on our very first episode of the podcast, um, he was a industrialist and his power was built off of Atlantean lore so think of like straight up the you know the the mouse-eared atlantis um no copyright um we used similar situations where atlantis is a futuristic but ancient civilization um and so he was able to create these like automated uh drones and um he had like a uh, a little canary uh automaton that went around him um and then we started getting to like power sources turning into grenades and then like we said uh in the bonus content we talked about a cell phone tower um that we had to work out some mechanical kinks um to get it to work kind of like a sending stone and just like bounce almost like a um like a spark gap transmitter and using morse code and but instead of Morse code, it was a sending stone and just relay towers over and over again, all over the continent. So you can use some of that stuff uh, in there. It's just a matter of like, Hey, is this, 
cell phone thing going to really screw up my campaign because now messages are going to take five minutes instead of 10 days to get to somebody you can, you can kind of work around it. And the same thing with the laser gun or uh, the deck of many things or any of the, the God killing weapons that are in, in the game. If I would say like my favorite thing to say, especially in the, the last homebrew episode that we talked about, if you're going to give something OP to a character, just be ready to throw something OP at them. That's the only that's the only way you can actually balance it. Um, and if you want it to be fun and epic and everything, give a level one character a god killing weapon. But then you're throwing a god at them, and that you know, if the god hits, <laughs> which it most likely will, it, it's kind of done. That can go really badly for early level characters. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like the homebrew thing. Like I came up with, I had an idea for a sentient sword, which I did play. And, and that was sentient, but pos- not possessed, but it contained the spirit of a fallen angel. So I, none of the, the, the ones out there, none of the sentient swords out there actually did what I wanted it to do. So I came up with my own homebrew to do it. And the problem was balancing it. I had to, because there was a lot of OP qualities to that sword and a lot of OP qualities to the uh, level 20 Fallen Angel, obviously. But what I ended up doing was that you had to make three wisdom saving throws against, I mean, straight wisdom to wisdom, the being it was taking over and the sword or the Fallen Angel's wisdom, but just straight challenges three in a row. Every time you let go of the sword, you had to make that challenge. So where three in a row had to take place for them to take over the in- entire body, take over the mind. And which with early level characters is, is easy. So you get a level three character against this level 20 fallen angel. That's nothing. But you have level three uh, at- attributes when the player is just walking around, which is dangerous because that person can get killed really easily doing what this level 20 fallen angel wants to do so when you get to the higher level stuff like when you're trying to take over i say an adult dragon it's a lot harder Mm. and i'm telling you when i say anytime they touch the sword they have to make it i stuck the sword through the dragon (laughs) to make them take take that and just succeeded once and left the fucking sword there because i wasn't going to succeed again (laughs) so there's ways to balance and I did that to balance because it made for good RP. And I know that if I didn't, my player was going to be way overpowered. And I just didn't want that because I like the RP. I didn't want the overpowered character. So I made it almost, I mean, it was actually kind of hard to, to there was a lot of roles. It was difficult. Mm. Yeah. And I think that it's important to say that, you know, it's not just the story weaver's job to be like, oh, that's OP. Because, hey, the story weaver might be the least experienced person at the table, and that's fine. It can be the the most fun campaign you've ever played in. However, if you're at a table and either A, the story weaver seems like it's getting out of control uh, with either the characters or even enemies, things like that, that are being overpowered. And I mean, just either mowing down characters or you're mowing down NPCs and... uh, and combat um, situations, uh, encounters, um, then talk to your story weaver. Talk to the whole table, really, and just say, hey, 
um you know this has been really cool and fun and we had an epic thing about the the this overpowered ray gun but maybe we can dial it back and as a group you guys can talk about like okay well you know like thorn said uh the the sword has to have a wisdom check um in order to take over the body and then it takes over the body's attributes so like he said it takes over a lower level npc then okay well he's a lower level npc uh physically and that's how you balance it out you can talk to your your players and just talk to the whole table and say hey you know this is i'm starting to have trouble giving you guys challenges because i've given you these these boons and these bounties um so early on in the game um and for story weavers uh Here's an idea that I found and I'm I am absolutely stealing from TikTok. Uh, the user's name is Nathan underscore a Frago. And he talks about um, a, a situation that I'm very familiar with that somebody has told me that, hey, the game is too easy, uh, which is the biggest mistake. Move cautiously when you tell a DM or a story weaver that their game is too easy because things happen. Um, but he decided to create a homebrew demon that is impervious to damage until he eats and consumes a soul. Once he consumes a soul, there's a digestion process and his movement speed is reduced to five attacks against him are uh, granted advantage and he's uh, susceptible to all damage types. So he has, he has to consume a soul and so now you're sitting there and saying, okay, um, how do we get this demon to take damage? One of you has to die. And then he consumes the soul and then he's vulnerable and you can kill the demon afterwards. So, uh, hey, <laughs> that is an amazing idea that I'm stealing. <laughs> I actually saw that TikTok. That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so, we have a really, a really great idea now about laser guns too. Right. Um, I'm going to start a campaign with you all find the laser gun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that should have been in our, how do we start episode? Like, okay. So the party just finds a laser gun. (laughs) No one knows how to use it. Like it's, it's advanced technology. So it's just (laughs) everyone's struggling. It looks like a cross crossbow. Oh, I didn't (laughs) put that hole in you. I'm sorry. Why is that tree on fire? (laughs) There goes your finger. Sorry. Yeah. So, I mean, closing thoughts, because we've we have talked about balancing. We've talked about um, how to talk to players about uh, OP items and even OP races and things like that, subclasses. Um, So, Thorne, what is your your closing thought for Story Weavers as far as balancing out your campaign? As, as far as story weavers, I'm going to say, like, don't be afraid to let your players play slightly OP characters. Um, but just keep in mind that you have almost a responsibility to the rest of the table to kind of rein it in if it goes too far. And think of ways to, like, just just shut that down a little bit. Like, if, if they're playing OP characters, don't be afraid to throw OP enemies at them. That's a thing. So it's like you you can play the OP characters and a lot of players will have fun in the beginning, but give them challenges that stack up to that OP. Because if you've got a first level character that can do 82 damage on a swing, then you need to throw, you know, some very high uh, level 
enemies at them to where it's a little bit harder. Now, I'm just saying, like, if they're early and they only have eight hit points, too bad. They wanted to make a character that has that does 82 damage. They're going to get a character, an enemy that does just as much damage. So if they hit them, they die. Um, on the other side, that if they want to play OP and you don't want them to, you know, talk to them, communicate, say, listen, this is a little much. Let's put some little things in here to actually kind of dial it back a little bit. Or, I mean, I mean, to be honest, the ultimate thing is just say no. If, if you think that an OP character is going to ruin your campaign, say no. Plain and simple. Set your boundary. Exactly. Robbie? Um, my thing is, is that um, uh, if, if you have a network, so the best way, the best way I've been able to balance my games is if I find a network of those who play um, Dungeons and Dragons or any whatever role-playing game that I'm playing and to also play it as well and just set up some checks and balances. Uh, run, if you have a, if you feel like something, if you feel like something is kind of OP, it might be OP, um, but you can run it by, you can run it by someone and then get a second opinion or like just like having those checks and balances would help balance your game as well. So that way, um, that way you always have that, uh, that extra opinion on, on if you're, if your item is too overpowered for the level that your players are at. Yeah. And I think I'm kind of on the, on the side of you two guys of like, I mean, I always say in a few episodes that you can't actually be, you can't let anything be overpowered because you're just, you have to just dial the other side of things. So you're, you've just got your two volume dials of dialing up your characters as they, they progress. And you obviously have to dial up the challenges that they have to face. So if one is too high, either a dial it back or B dial the other one higher. Um, but I think the other thing is that, you know, when in the grand scheme of what we say of just have fun, um, just just do the item, just do the thing. And if it completely, utterly destroys your campaign, cool. All you have to do is go continue on, move on. Um, and, you know, there's there's different situations where Bone Daddy and Thorn, respectively, have done the most chaotic shit in my campaign and you just kind of roll with the punch and then hey this is this is what's going on now i've never done that take it back (laughs) best example um all of raven's magical items yeah uh that was a thing um if you are going to uh give permission for items um count the items and and read the entire item completely uh, because there was a few times where uh, I used to have a magic store in Arc 1 where they could go and they could buy these ridiculous things. And granted, they were ridiculously expensive items, but they were doing, the, the party was doing so many bounties and so many different events that they were just swimming in gold um, and didn't didn't really have too much of a care until their vault was broken into and half of their money was stolen. But that was one about that. <laughs> that was one balancing act that we did. Uh, but you know, if one character is constantly going to the store and buying these items, um, talk to that player and just say, you know, hey, um, if you use all of these items in one one turn, like if you have enough momentum to use all of this stuff, 
um, it's going to bog down combat or it's going to bog down the challenges, whatever it may be. So it goes back to just talking to your players and talking to your table and saying, like what Bone Daddy said, just set your boundaries. Yes. So, I mean, that's it. Um, and so that's going to be the end of our episode. Uh, and we always know to have fun and to steal everything. But before we go, I want to read um, our first five-star review. Um, we're super excited uh, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we got the the um, the review, um, and it was from da, 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 Carissa Designs uh, via Apple Podcasts, uh, and she wrote, uh, I've been playing for a few years now, but on a somewhat sporadic schedule, so I consider myself an experienced beginner. I feel that. I feel that this podcast has really helped me become a better player by delving into Story Weavers, a.k.a. Dungeon Master's point of view. The interview episodes are also a lot of fun. I enjoy listening to people nerding out over things they are passionate about. I don't know what you mean. I am not a nerd. Um, but yeah, no, thank Damn. you. <laughs> thank you, Carissa Designs, uh, for that awesome review. Uh, and if you guys want to uh, give a review and let us read it on the podcast, you could do so on any of the platforms that you're listening to the podcast. Um, and if not, and you want to prove Bone Daddy wrong, as he said earlier in this episode, you can email us and give him hate mail at this dungeon is occupied oh, yes. podcast at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All of the hate. Give it to us. Uh, no, but really, if you guys have a cool story, if you guys have something you want to add, something you want to help us get better and to grow, uh, if you know somebody who might be doing another D&D podcast and wants to interview or just wants to chat, uh, shoot us an email, please. Uh, we will obviously uh, be reading any of the stories uh, on the podcast. And if your story is cool enough, uh, we will have you on the podcast. And by that, I mean, we'll probably just have you on the podcast. Um, and that's all I got. So remember to check your dungeons because this dungeon is occupied.